All right, we're live. Hey, everybody, it's Ben. And I'm Cammie. And welcome to today's episode. You're listening to the Fight for Together podcast. Okay, I think the intro just played, but I couldn't hear it. Here, geez, technical difficulties already. Oh, well, <laughs> you live and you learn. Um, Time to light up our cigars mm-hmm. to get going on the motivation. Yep. Here we are with the second episode. Not ever, but we took a long hiatus. Second episode in a minute, that's for sure. And what's gotten me excited about podcasting again, besides the fact that I, I actually missed it, but now I feel the need to promote this book, which sometimes I feel like is a pretty shitty reason to do a podcast. Hang on, let me light my cigar. Well, may not be your only reason. Multiple reasons. All right, you want to hit that match? Yeah. Go for it. Here, I'll hold it. I'll hold it. You're going to burn your finger. Okay. Come on, let's go. Mm-hmm. Okay, hold it. Take it easy. Take it easy. We got time. This is how I do it. I know, I know. Okay, all right. All right. All right, all right. All right. All right. So what I want to do, this is not just going to be a giant advertisement for the book, I'm hoping, and if you don't know what book we're talking about, we're talking about this book that I recently released called 2,000 Miles Together, the story of the largest family to hike the Appalachian Trail, who I'm very thankful was happy to sponsor this podcast. (laughs) So thank you, 2,000 Miles Together, the story of the largest family to hike the Appalachian Trail, available on Amazon.com. Hmm. And uh, whatever our merch store is, I forget how to get there. Fightfortogether.bigcartel.com. Big Cartel is B-I-G-C-A-R-T-E-L. Sell it, girl. Mm-hmm. Oh, you know what? Last time I turned this light on. Let me see if that helps. I don't know if that makes a difference or not. Okay, so we're going to be doing a little bit of behind the scenes for those of you guys who have read the book. And if you haven't read the book, I think you'll find the topics um, equally beneficial. So you're not going to be like needing any back story. But what I want to talk about today is kind of behind the scenes. If you read the book from chapters one and two, where we even made the decision whoa oh sorry easy with a cigar on the laptop there (laughs) collision gee it's all good we're all good here people all right i'm moving the laptop (laughs) ben's not good but the rest everyone yeah we're good you sound like the the pastors that used to tell me you're fine (laughs) you're fine we love you it's not uh it's not us it's you Are you gaslighting me right now? <laughs> it's fine. It's like a Jedi mind trick. <laughs> you bash your cigar on my laptop. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, the, th- the topic I want to talk about is how do you plan an adventure or anything in your life? could be a creative project and deal with not being ready. Hmm. And this topic largely stems from very, very discouraging comments that I saw online about us 
but it's really not just about us. There's a culture in trail community where basically people start the trail and then all sorts of people will say, like about us, they were like, oh, these assholes uh, are not going to make it. They're not ready. They didn't do enough training. They didn't do enough preparation. They didn't have the right gear. They didn't research enough. They didn't blah, 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 blah. Mm-hmm. So how do you know if you're ready? Well, the first thing that comes to my mind is opportunity. And I felt like if we didn't jump on this opportunity this year, that it was going to pass us by. So I, I almost was like, we're going to be ready enough. Because if we ha- wait till we're ready, then we're never going to do this. So that's an interesting word. Enough. Ready enough. Mm-hmm. Ready enough for who? I think it's subjective. Um, I don't think there's one right way to be ready. I do think there's some like common goals out there, like equipment and training. But I, what I think is the most important thing is your mindset, which your mindset is a whole nother thing. Um, that training can help with your mindset, I think, and so can equipment. But you can have all those things in place, training and equipment, and still not have the type of mindset that will keep, like, decide to go or keep you going in the first place. Yeah, I love that. And I think there's this mindset that people have that if I do enough miles or if I have the right rain jacket or do enough research, basically all these external things that are not inside your mind, but they're things that you buy, um, they're outside validations and accreditations almost. Yeah, I was going to say that you, why are you doing this? Are you doing this for other people or are you doing it for yourself? Because if you're doing it for yourself, I think it's a lot easier to have an internal compass that says, I'm going to do this and I'm going to do it my way and I will get advice, but I'm also not going to let people push me around and tell me what to do. So the stats on hiking the trail and failing, and by failing, I mean quitting or not completing uh, completing it, are staggering. Yeah. When I was researching the book, there's like, there's these sexy ways of pre- presenting the statistics. Basically, like, it goes something like this from Bill Bryson's book, A Walk in the Woods, where half the people quit, like, in the first 10 miles or something crazy like that. And yeah. then... Whatever half are left, half of them quit in the next, let's just say, 100 miles. And then half of whatever's left quit by the next quarter, and then half of whatever is left after that quits by the first half. So basically, you're just like chopping the group in half. So if you start off with eight people, you end up with one person, is according to that book. So it's weird, like as you're looking around you in the beginning, there's this phenomenon where you see all these people with all this new shiny gear and and some people have trained, some people have not. Now, I want to share one particular story that I've actually shared in another video I made. 
<clears throat> I made this video a couple years ago about the number one uh, factor for success um, on the Appalachian Trail that I found. Is this about the guy without yes. the rain jacket? Yes. <laughs> oh, I love that story. Yeah. And uh, hmm. and it the story was sparked for me when we were in New Hampshire, which is the second to last state. So it's what the twelfth or thirteenth state mm -hmm. that we had hiked through. And we're on the top of this mountain, and there was a southbound guy. Mm -hmm. um, he was going the opposite direction of us. So he had just started. He had done Maine and part of New Hampshire. Mm -hmm. And we were up there in a rainstorm. And this guy did not even have a rain jacket. He had a t-shirt on, basically. Now, here's the thing. There's numerous ways to interpret this, okay? Because mm -hmm. judging the forums, all these people are waiting to say, this guy is a failure. He's unprepared. Obviously, being prepared means having a Gore-Tex level rain jacket. Can I just say, for him to get through fucking maine is something because <laughs> i've been through maine and it is hard super hard so i'm just gonna leave that there but this dude did not have a rain jacket yeah and i also want to point out gore-tex has only been around for about what 30 years 40 years before that people still hiked the trail so were they unprepared yeah, I just read a book on Grandma Gatewood, which for those of you who don't know, she was the second through hiker, I think, the, maybe the third, but she was the first woman through hiker. Um, and <laughs> this lady had a knapsack and Keds, and that's about it. And, she, and her story is pretty remarkable, but so, yes, they did not have those things back then. She was not prepared either. She was not prepared. But, okay, but the thing about this guy, now, I concluded that he was going to more than likely finish the trail, having only seen him, I think, about two or 300 miles in. Yeah. But the way that I concluded this is based upon his attitude. Mm -hmm. This kid did not, he was, he was in the rainstorm without a rain jacket, but here's the thing. He did not give a fuck. Mm -hmm. He wasn't complaining. He wasn't asking to borrow one. Mm -hmm. He wasn't saying, I need to get to a place where I can get dry. And this is in August, so I would consider this like non-lethal-ish. Hmm. Yeah. But it was his attitude of not giving a fuck that told me this guy has a chance because he didn't feel entitled to even staying dry, mm -hmm. which of all the human entitlements, that's one of the ones, there's all these ones that sneak in and you see them on the trail. And these are the things that take people off trail. It's like, I feel entitled to not have to hike in the dark or to get eaten by bugs or to be cold or to be hot. And there was a, another family that started the trail the same year we did that literally they quit within a week, I believe. And their reason, and I quote was, we don't do the cold. Which is fine. Like, yeah. I'm not judging them. But also, you're not going to finish the trail if you don't do the cold or anything for that matter. If you're like, well, I don't do hot. I don't do bugs. I mm -hmm. don't do long days or short days or wet days or dry days. Because the trail is kind of notorious for over the course of five months. You're going to kind of like encounter all of it. The trail doesn't give two shits about your preferences <laughs> if you want to complete it, if you want to keep going. 
And I, I wish I knew that guy's story. Like, what brought him to that point where he had that type of attitude? Dude, I wish I, I got his name because I want to yeah. know if he finished. If you're that dude, I wonder if Odie knows. He probably doesn't. But he gave. Remember Odie? I think gave Odie him gave him a rain jacket. A rain jacket. Yeah. Odie felt bad for him. Yeah. Yeah. But the kid wasn't asking for one. No. That's what like. You know, the guy was a scrapper. And yep. I think oftentimes we look at people's gear or our own gear. And judge. Because I think about this in regards to having a kid. You and I had a kid when we were, what, 20? Mm-hmm. We were on welfare. Everyone was telling us to wait because we weren't ready. You had to have college and a job and fucking some sort of like savings or college pan or 401k. I forget what the end things were at that time. House. And we didn't have any of that. Mm-hmm. All we had was our love, our passionate love for each other. An apartment we paid $500 a month. A one bedroom apartment we paid $500 a month for. I was hoping to get a reaction out of you when I said our passionate love for each other. <laughs> uh Mm, there's a little bit of that enough to keep us going at least Sheesh, not the reaction i was hoping for oh what did you hope for i don't know maybe like a little giggle or a wink or, i may or... have i may have given that if i wasn't concentrated on what i wanted to say oh, okay so i mean don't feel too Ooh. bad for those of you that didn't see there's a little wink there <laughs> yeah so we didn't have we didn't have everything. And yet, I think our attitudes and mindsets were, we were very qualified. Not because we even knew what the hell we were doing, but just because we didn't care about feeling entitled to an idea of financial security, an idea of our kid needing to go to college, an idea of us needing to have our own space or our own bedrooms. Or fill in the blank, a car, a job, hmm. uh, mental security. The irony is all of those things came, mm-hmm. but they came from the journey itself, not from planning before you left on the actual journey. Yeah. I just thought of this phrase, entitlement kills motivation, which I think is true. Um, Sounds deep. Yeah, you like that? Um, let's make a let's make a sticker out of it. But yeah, I think it's really hard to get motivation to keep doing something, especially if it's hard. Um, when you feel entitled to certain things or a certain way of life, uh, and the trail is kind of I I think a microcosm of that idea yeah that's interesting so can you um read this section from the book page 27 for those of you who are um want to follow along at home the last paragraph there and i want to set a little bit of context this is not i don't think this is ruining anything for you because well it's early on in the story but we were on day, what, three or four, I believe. And we stayed at this cabin called Blood Mountain Cabins. It's the mm-hmm. first civilization we came across. And by civilization, I mean electricity and running water and basically no more than that, like no internet. 
that's the same place you see this tree with a ton, and I mean a ton of tennis shoes and hiking boots slung over it, and they're just hanging there. And I guess that's people who quit at that point in time, and so they don't need their shoes anymore, so they just throw them in the tree. I don't really know how that started, but... Yeah. And we stayed at this cabin, and we had just gotten our ass kicked for three days straight. Like, it was cold. You know, when I envisioned doing the trail some 18 years ago, I pictured... We were in Virginia, and we were biking, and it was fucking summertime. Mm-hmm. So we were hot as balls biking past these streams. And I imagined hiking and stopping by these streams and dipping our feet in and going for a swim during lunchtime <laughs> and having cheese and crackers and wine and beer that had been provided to us by Trail Angels, which is the only thing we'd ever heard a Trail Angel does is leave beer by the trail. Mm. That's what I pictured the Appalachian Trail as. Yeah. Of course, we're in March. Our dumbasses left March 1st. And our water bottles are frozen solid. You can't. We can't <laughs> even drink. Yeah. We packed gloves from Costco that were like so thin they were probably the type of gloves meant to drive in your car and use your iPhone at the same time. You know. Or run like yeah. run in suburbia with. Yeah. And whatever we had a forty-five degree rated sleeping bag. Yeah. Which most everyone hikes with a zero. Which actually I still don't regret. I'm not I'm not complaining about any of this. I'm just giving you some context. Mm -hmm. So we're freezing our asses off. I think at nighttime it was getting to like ten degrees, twenty degrees. Yeah. We come into this cabin after three or four days, and then everyone starts barfing their brains out. Mm -hmm. And we're three or four days in, people are barfing. We have been completely miserable. There have been no streams relaxing lunch breaks in the sun with wine and cheese and crackers that I had envisioned. So I'm kind of contemplating what the hell we got ourselves into mm -hmm. when I read, wrote this. You can't enter into a journey like this without being changed. If there was any superpower we had developed, it had nothing to do with hiking. It had to do with wanting positive change even when we didn't know what that change was going to look like. We hoped the trail would make us the type of people who could finish to teach our kids that they could accomplish huge things. We didn't need to know we could finish the trail when we started it. We started only knowing we could take the next step. The ability to finish would have to come from the journey. So, and then can you read the next page? There's like one line that mm -hmm. is so good that we put it in a different font yeah. format. We didn't start because we knew we had what it takes. We were just confident we'd pick up what it would take along the way. Hmm. So what stands out to you from that? What stands out to me is to not get too far ahead of yourself. And like we took one step at a time and we believed that the journey itself, given enough open mind, I think would we would 
be able to gather the type of things we needed to keep taking another step and another step because I, I think it's really daunting to think too far ahead. Um, and I guess we also believed in transformation that this experience would transform us and that we wouldn't be the same people when we left. So to me, that's a major point, which is why you're doing it will have everything to do of if you succeed or not. So let me give you an example. If we are doing the trail to finish the trail and to hang the plaque on our walls, there's a one in eight chance we'll succeed. Yeah. But if we are doing the trail to grow, well, let me backtrack. And with that one in eight chance of succeeding, what makes someone ready to succeed is you'd have to be a fucking Olympic athlete to want to guarantee yourself that level of success, that you're the one in eight. But if your motive is just to grow as either an individual or as a family unit, or mm-hmm. grow relationships. Yeah. You can succeed 100% of the time because the shittier it is, the better, the higher the chance that you're going to grow. <laughs> the fact that we face three days of miserable ass rain in our shitty gloves and 45 degree bag, and when the assholes online were saying, like, these guys are unprepared, unprepared for what? To meet their criteria of comfort? Well, guess what, motherfuckers? We didn't do the trail to be comfortable. Yeah. We did the trail to grow both as uh, individuals and as parents and our children and as a family unit. So in that regards, in a way, the less prepared you are, the more opportunity you have for that growth in a way. It has nothing to do with the gloves. It has nothing to do with the shoes like, and that's what I love about that kid in New Hampshire. He was fucking living his best life, and he was doing it with no rain jacket. You don't need a rain jacket to live a good life. Mm-hmm. Like, you need a rain jacket to be comfortable, but he did not seem too concerned with comfort. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's, I do think it, a lot of it does depend on why you're doing something. Um. And it does seem to be shooting yourself in the foot to start out with the reason I want to do this trail is to finish this trail. And it's like, well, that's your whole reason for doing it. It it's, you're probably not going to finish it. And I think if we were obsessed with that, I wouldn't be surprised if we would quit after day three. Because that goal by day three started to feel impossible to me. Yeah, I mean, I went every day not knowing if we would finish it. And I think it became a little more clear the last couple weeks, but that's after five months. And all I knew is that we could keep going another day. Um, I also think there was some kind of I think respect that you and I had for 
the trail in the sense of what we knew it might bring to us. Like knowing, and it's not like the trail as in like the trail itself, but just putting yourself in that position of walking for five months through all the elements and through all of the different things that you didn't even know what was going to happen. You just knew it was going to be a lot harder than living in your house in some ways. I think we had some idea of that, not completely, but we, we had some idea so that we had some holder to put when, when, when really hard things did happen, we were like, oh yeah, oh yeah, I, I thought this was going to happen. I didn't necessarily think it was going to be that hard or, you know, but I had some kind of barfing at blood mountain. Yeah. But I had some kind of idea, some kind of container for it that I wasn't completely like appalled that this was happening to me. And we had, this is where people underestimated us because we were okay with that. Mm-hmm. My kids had run what five marathons by this point. Whoa, 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 whoa! Sorry. Um, my kids had run five marathons at this point. We had woken up at six a.m. to lift fucking weights, which is miserable as hell in a cold garage. And I say this to say not to say that we are superhuman, but we had done these activities that had I think weeded out a lot of entitlement. You know, mm. when you're on mile 18 and your legs hurt, what do you do when you have eight miles ahead of you? Do you just say, for a goal that you've already um, agreed to, mm-hmm. do you say, this hurts, I don't want to feel pain, so I'm going to take the easy way out? Or mm-hmm. do you look past that and maybe not trust the pain to be your deciding factor or your only factor at least? And we had had practice in that, in many different disciplines. Mm-hmm. So while we weren't the most well-oiled machine in the beginning to understate it when it came to hiking with eight people on the AT in the cold, we did know how to deal with kind of what you're saying, Cammy. those moments when you feel like, shit, I don't deserve this i deserve to be in a warm house right now Mm -hmm. i think to some degree i knew what we were signing up for i didn't know to the full extent because how can you unless you experience it but to some degree i had been exposed to that type of activity that completely strips you of all of your normality all of your normal entitlements that you that we have living in a house. Oh, sorry. Hang on. Hold on. Um, <laughs> okay. Setting up the video. There here. We go. Now, I want to um, talk about a different, another phenomenon that occurs on the trail. Mm-hmm. And that is this a lot of people actually start the trail without any backpacking experience at all. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And if they have, let's say they've done a quote-unquote shakedown hike where they've gone out and they've tested out their stove and tested out their backpack and test, tested out their boots mm-hmm. um, so that they're all like wired and ready to go. Whatever they've done in that 
two days to two weeks of preparation or training with their gear does not compare to the five months of trail experience and knowledge you pick up on the trail. Even the most beginning backpacker on day one, in the end of five months, you will know every piece of your gear, food, diet, your body, equipment, options, just from talking to other hikers and seeing the way other people do things. I mean, it's like a university of backpacking out there Mm -hmm. that you can only get from being on the trail for five months and hanging out with literally hundreds of other hikers and seeing other people's gear and talking to them and watching them cook meals and buy food in grocery stores. So in a way, the way that you, the best way to train, if you're going to talk about efficiency, is to get on the damn trail to begin mm-hmm. with. Mm-hmm. But yet I think people want to do so much ahead of time, which I do think I'm not trying to discourage those types of activities. And we had done some backpacking. It, so, I think those activities to pre- be prepared has its place. But the problem I see is if you keep people become paralyzed at a certain point or they stall out in their trying to get prepared when they should probably just start the damn trail already. And there's probably various reasons for that. I mean, it's hard. It's hard to actually, there's a lot of, I'm sure like nervousness and anxiety and, um, but there's only like, I think there's only so much preparation that's actually useful for a person. And then at some point you just have to start it. And when you start it, you are going to make mistakes. Yeah. No matter who you are, no matter how much you've prepared. Yeah. And to be okay with that. Like that's yes. hard. It's hard to be okay with making mistakes. And that's what I think where the online forums really played a role is they reinforce this idea that the worst thing that you can happen is not be prepared. Yeah. And that one of these armchair assholes is going to look at you and be like, see, I told you they weren't going to make it. Yeah. But those guys are sitting at home typing. And I think one thing that has been absolutely essential to my success as really just a human has been the ability to be okay with making mistakes. Mm. I mean, we left on the Appalachian Trail. If two weeks in, we would have quit for Mm -hmm. whatever reason, Mm -hmm. I would have been uh, fine. Mm -hmm. Not to say there wouldn't have been sadness, but the reason I would have been fine is because our number one goal was to learn about ourselves and relationships and to grow in that way. And yeah. one or two weeks in, I guarantee you that would have happened. Yeah. I was thinking about that with people who maybe they only make it 10 miles. Maybe they only make it a hundred miles or 300 miles. They most, they probably learned something about themselves. You can't not learn something. I know you're taking yourself completely out of your element. And anytime you do that, you're bound to pick up something useful, I think. So the the area that I'm actually the most passionate about this right now is probably my writing. Not just because I finished this book, but because I want to write another book. And because a lot of times what people don't see when they see that I've published this book is they don't see that I've already written 
two manuscripts before this of completely other books. One that's published, one that's not. And maybe close to... Shit, this, this could be exaggerating, but I actually don't think it is, depending on how you define it. Close to a thousand blog posts. Mm-hmm. And the thing about these thousand blog posts is I look at them now, and shit, they are cringy as hell. Yeah. Like if I was an armchair critic, I would look at those and be like, those are a fucking mistake. Don't quit your day job. <laughs> Don't write anymore. Mm. Stay home. You fucked up. You suck. But it's only through every single, I'll tell you what, every single blog post that I wrote, and I, I use the term blog post liberally because I feel like now Facebook and Instagram captions have almost developed to be a form of micro blogging mm-hmm. where you can, you know, sometimes I spend hours creating a formulated idea that people read and they're influenced by and they, it stirs them. But it's mm-hmm. a Facebook post, so I don't I don't care what platform it's on. But I've every single one that I've written, one would be frustrating as hell if I saw it as my masterpiece. But two, I've learned from. Hmm. And I only got to a point now of writing this book that I'm very proud of. Yeah. From writing the thousand making the thousand mistakes if that's how you want to look at it there's something about our culture that we expect people to be professionals before they even pick up the pen or the guitar or 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 maybe they think you should keep all that stuff hidden like anything that is whatever is your beginnings of learning how to craft your craft you should keep it hidden away and I don't know what that is. I don't know if it's like the perfectionism or an idea of perfectionism or we're not okay with mistakes. We're not okay with the process of growth that it takes. Well, and in our social media culture, yeah, you don't see the mistakes. People mm-hmm. film, and I, I, I actually really struggled because I posted this picture of our Christmas like on Christmas Day, I posted a picture of our family, this beautiful picture of this beautiful hiking spot with a waterfall in the background, and I just wrote Merry Christmas. What I wanted to write <laughs> was Cammie and I were in a fight when this picture was taken, and I, I wrote that on my personal Instagram story. I wrote, we were in a fight. Oh. Um, we were in a fight. Yeah. The boyfriend, uh, Dub's boyfriend was taking the picture, and there's like uh, various levels of tension there, <laughs> both between evidently me and him and him and her and like there was a lot of stuff going on in the background our shoes were wet we were somewhat miserable like i i had regretted this hike at that point i was like i don't know if this is worth it you know if you look at just that picture though of all of us (laughs) smiling and shit you'd be like wow Mm -hmm. that's not what my hikes are like well yeah that's not what it's like for us either Mm -hmm. it's just one of a hundred moments and we just that's of course the one we're going to show but we do people ourselves and other people disservice when that's the if that's the only thing we show people, I think. I agree. Because then it's like you have to hide all this other pieces of who you are, which pieces of what being a human is. And that's why I actually, this last couple of years, we've started getting into record albums and listening to whole albums. Hmm. And man, so I started buying like Elton John albums. Turns out he has a shit ton of them. 
Mm-hmm. All these guys do. We're talking like 20, 30 albums. And when you buy a best of album and you hear like Tiny Dancer and, uh, you know, <laughs> you think, you think, your song. You think they like came out of their mom's womb like writing hits writing these hits when and that's really like that's depressing right if you actually think because then you're like well i didn't do that and the fact of the matter is hardly anyone's done that even the people that have the are the most successful yeah because you listen to the album that tiny dancer is on yeah and there's 12 shitty songs on there that no one remembers no one wants to listen to but that we all forgot about. And we forgot these guys have put their time in. Yeah. And then at the end of their life, 70 fucking years later, they right. have a best of album with 10 to 20 hits on it that we all sing along to. But they only have those songs because they've written and performed and played close to 500 songs. Mm-hmm. And arguably, you could say had 490 failures or mistakes or things that the armchair critics would have said, that guy wasn't ready to write a song <laughs> he should have played video games like me it's a good thing those people didn't listen to the critics and that they just kept going but i think a lot of people do listen to the critics which makes me sad because people who have a lot of potential and a lot in them that needs to get out in the world doesn't get out in the world because of yeah because of those the naysayers and so if you're doing it to get a certificate of validation from someone or if you're doing it to get people to like you i think it's going to be a pretty discouraging little journey and you know most of those thousand blog posts i did one of the disciplines i learned early on is to write the shit that i wanted to write about and that i was passionate about Mm -hmm. james altiker says write about the stuff that makes you bleed you know, write about the top 4% of things you hate, write about something you hate or write about something you love. Don't write about the stuff in between. Mm-hmm. And I did that most of that time. I mean, I wrote this blog post about why I hated Wally, which now I completely disagree with. I think Wally's a great movie, but at the time <laughs> I hated it. I don't know why. A fucking judgmental asshole or something. Mm-hmm. But I, it didn't make me feel the way I wanted it to feel at the time. Um, and yeah. it didn't do what I thought Pixar was designed to make me do. Yeah. So I wrote this passionate piece that it's a good thing I, pixar didn't didn't listen to you they seriously just kept going <laughs> i'm glad i didn't listen to me yeah we own that movie <laughs> we don't own a ton of movies but we own that one it's a great movie <laughs> <laughs> yeah um and and now uh, the current project i'm working on is i'm making a video like a video essay it's like a 15 minute video essay about god as metaphor mm-hmm Fuck if a hundred people are gonna sit through it. That'd be amazing. It's gonna be. It's not gonna appeal to many people. But, but you're I know. you're coming alive, dude. It. I love you, it. You love it. You know they yeah. call it um, flow state. Mm-hmm. Like that's kind of this word I've heard in the last year of of it's the type of activity that you do when you lose track of time. Yeah. And I find myself at certain stage of this video, not all of it. Mm-hmm. Like rec- like writing the script was a pain in the ass. I put it off for a week or two. Yeah. Um, like I got 90% of it done in one day, like literally one hour. Wow. And then I was like, okay, I need to tweak these two parts. And it took me a week and a half to get to it. 
And then I did it and I recorded mm-hmm. it and then I started doing the visuals and I would just do these for hours and hours and hours. I probably mm-hmm. had spent 20 hours on the video. And it's like, I mean, everyone's gonna look at it and think it's like a shitty video. Well, it's like, fine, whatever. In fact, I thought about calling the series shitty slideshows because that's like <laughs> basically what I'm I'm making a, using a slideshow. Apple's keynote. Well, let let people decide for themselves and let you can decide for yourself, but what you feel about it, but. Girl, I'm I, telling you, I think it's a shitty slideshow. <laughs> well, but compared to what? I mean, five years ago, you compared were... to Pixar. Oh, okay, all right. Well, Pixar has millions and millions of dollars to put into resources, but whatever. For you, like five years ago, if you were to look at your slideshows five years ago, I bet this is like way improved. And I can relate to you going back to flow state. Like I can relate to you in that with writing songs. I'll sometimes I'll I'll be writing a song and it's like really difficult. I drag my feet. Other times I'm writing it and I don't even like I, I, I try to do an hour a day and I don't have enough time. Like the hour pass and I'm like, shoot, I gotta go make lunch. So yeah, I I actually can really relate to that. But I think the reason why you and I feel that is because we found something that we are passionate about, that we love, that it doesn't mean it's always going to be easy, but it's, there's something about it that really stirs us. And we're like, this is what I'm here to do. And for me, I knew writing and publishing a shitty slideshow sucks. Like I get frustrated but I get more frustrated knowing that it's stuck inside of me. Yeah. And that I... Get stagnant. It gets stagnant because when I say no to an idea, there's a type of training that occurs with that too. Every time you have a dream or a fantasy or a vision or a calling or something inside of me that's welling up and then I ignore it or press it down, that's its own own form of training. Mm. It's almost like perfectionism training. And I think after a year or a decade of saying no to my ideas, I would be hopped up on drugs of some sort, whether it be entertainment or medication, just to say numb, just to get through the day because Hmm. that has a high cost for me. So I kind of try and get in the habit of when I have these things of just saying yes and not focusing on the perfectionism, but just saying, I need to get it out there. Mm -hmm. And yep. And enough at bats, a thousand blog posts, and maybe I'll get a book. And mm-hmm. you know what? At the end of my life, I'll bet you most people won't remember the thousand blog posts. Maybe they'll remember the book. Maybe that's like my greatest, my tiny dancer. Yeah. And I, at the end of the day, who really gives a fuck who remembers what? Because it's all going to burn, I kind of feel like. <laughs> <laughs> but but we got to get through this life somehow. And I'd rather get through it hiking the trail than sitting at home critiquing those that are hiking and I want to surround myself with people that are fellow hikers Mm -hmm. I don't care if they finish I don't care if they do it fast or if they have the right gear if they have a fucking rain jacket I want to do it with people that are moving forward because I want to move forward so I guess my encouragement from what based upon what I've learned is if you're waiting if you're thinking oh I'm going to write my thing record my song go on my hike when I'm ready be prepared to realize that you might never be ready. You might have to, the only way to get ready 
is to start. Hmm. And every time you do your thing, every hour that you sit down, it will prepare you for the next day and the next step. Hmm. But by very definition, when you peel yourself off the couch and step onto the trail on March 1st in the freezing ass cold, you will suffer and be miserable. Hmm. Yeah, I felt really strongly the year we did the AT, I felt really strongly if we don't do this this year, it's going to pass us by. It's going to be gone. And so that that got my butt in, in gear. Um, I just had that in, instinctual feeling that if you sit on something too long, if you miss your window, it's not to say you can't find it again. Maybe you can. But I do think there is sometimes there's windows and if you don't grab and grab at it it will pass you by and none of the critics that are sitting there critiquing you or even perceived to be critiquing you because sometimes that's just as real as the actual critique is our fear of the outside voices our parents saying oh see you should have stayed in school um what the hell was i gonna say uh oh they don't know what you're up against like, so the people that, like what Cammie just said, what you just said about this was our one year to do it, our last year, mm-hmm. those people telling us we're not prepared, they don't know that. Mm-mm. They think no. they're, they're just bitching about whatever. So for us, like making these decisions is a very personal value assessment about what you want to do with your time. Mm-hmm. So someone else sitting there and calling you a failure, they're probably doing it because they don't feel good about their own choices mm-hmm. in fact i can almost guarantee you if that's what how they're spending their time that's they're trying to bring you down a notch so they don't have to feel guilty about not taking risks in their own life mm-hmm. um it's just like hearing the guy sing shitty karaoke well at least he's up there singing i won't fucking get up and sing like <laughs> it scares me to death so i'd rather make fun of his broken ass voice mm-hmm. and make fun of him but maybe he's living his best life Dude, he and probably you- is and you are on the sidelines wishing you could live your best life. And maybe that's forward advancement for him. And mm. I, in fact, I can almost guarantee it is. Yeah. So kudos to him. Yeah. And kudos to you for playing your music and to us for starting the damn trail, not knowing if we're going to finish and not being prepared, but knowing that it was going to be the last year uh, we could really do it together as mm. a family. Mm-hmm. So... You don't need to know about rain gear to, to start, or you don't need to know how to be a good rider. You just need to fucking know that you're pretty miserable not doing your thing, hmm. maybe, and and start. Yeah. And if you have one person that supports you, more power to you. That's helpful. I feel like you and I support each other in our endeavors, and that's super helpful. We got a visitor here <laughs> on the podcast set. What's up? Hi, honey. Uh, <laughs> you want to say hi? Hi. Here, come here. <laughs> you go over there? I'll show you. This is what we talk into. All right. We're just finishing up. Okay, so you, you, you want to say something? Hi. Well, I can see <laughs> your breath. That's kind of cold in here, huh? 
What, what, <laughs> what do you want to say? If you had um, one, one thing to say to the world. I love God and God is so kind and, and I love God world. Oh, that's wow. nice. How does that really make you feel, Cammy? Conflicted. <laughs> <laughs> um, those, those are lessons from the grandparents. Um, uh, hey, Rainier, well, can you take your thumb out of your mouth so you can talk for a second? I, I was wondering, what do you think about um, making mistakes? Can you talk in here? What? I feel about no. You feel about no? Yeah. What is a mistake? A mistake is when you accidentally eat some candy and something like that. When you accidentally eat some candy? Yeah. Yeah, that is a mistake around here. All right. Can you hop down for a second? We need to wrap this up. Okay, so... um, the if you want to read more about this uh i think you can check out the first couple chapters of our book 2000 miles together the story of the largest family to hike the appalachian trail where um one of the recurring things i see in the reviews is people are really shocked that we put the voices of the critics from like cut and pasted from these online forums and comments into the book but that was really important to me to have in the book because it's actually how we faced these voices in our heads and in real life is actually one of the, um, the more difficult feats and accomplishments that we had to face. Mm-hmm. And yeah. the, if you want to call it like an art, I mean, walking is easy in a way. Even walking in the rain to a certain degree is not super challenging once you accept the idea that you're going to be wet, but learning how to listen to your own voice and ignore other voices is really hard. Mm -hmm. So that's a major theme of this book. If that's interesting to you, I hope you check it out. It's available on Amazon and it's available on our merch store. Those links are below. Uh, Thanks guys. Yeah. Thank you. Can I see one? One more. Yeah, you can say one more thing. What do you want to right say? There. I love you all, guys. You're really beautiful. <laughs> okay. Uh, thank you for listening to Fight for Together. We'll see you next time. It's so fun. Mm. You want to go family time to eat? Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, That's a wrap. In a, in a few minutes, okay? You